Hello, 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 and welcome back to Formula E Bite, the podcast that brings you, yes, you, Formula E updates in bite-sized chunks. And today, the little bite-sized snack of Formula E chunks, I don't know why I phrased it like that, but it's Monaco. It's, it's the update following the Epre in Monaco, just delivered weirdly. But start as you mean to go on, I guess. Now, when it comes to Monaco, I've said this a million times, probably a billion times, to be honest. I really like Monaco. I think that's clear by now to long-time listeners. So I'm not going to go into that again, but I did enjoy the race. I always do. Always like Monaco. I think, honestly, I think that having it on the calendar, it really brings a certain calibre. Having such an iconic track like Monaco, I think it does a lot of good for Formula E. I think there's a lot of motorsport fans who, like myself, just like the, I don't know, if it's mystique, nostalgia, the legend of Monaco and, and all that comes with it. So I, I'm glad we have it and I'm glad that we're going to have it long term. But going into the weekend, the questions that were floating around regarding Monaco was really centred about, centred around what would the Generation 3 cars be like around Monaco? Because so far this season, we've seen a lot of really good racing and a lot of that has involved pack racing, which entails cars being three, four wide across the track sometimes and that simply is not possible in Monaco a a famously or infamously narrow circuit but a beautiful one and it's it's infamously hard to overtake no matter what formula category it it is it is realistically let's be real here so yeah that's with that in mind let's be fair it wasn't exactly like that and arguably that's the racing we've seen before um, Monaco this season is improved. I like the way that the Generation 3 car is able to battle. So we didn't see that in quite the same way at Monaco as we have done in, in other tracks this season. But there was still 116 overtakes, which, you know, is not, not easy at Monaco. And it was the difficulty in overtaking that probably influenced the race the most in the end. We saw the late safety car after the collision between Gunter and Tictum, both drivers who I thought had actually been driving pretty well um, until that unfortunate incident. And then after that, there was only a handful of laps to go after the safety car, and that was that really. So we'll discuss who finished where in a moment, but that was, I believe it was the 12th pre in a row now, where the pole sitter did not go on to win the race, which is probably a testament to how well these cars are able to battle and how competitive it is during the race. A key takeaway for me really is that yet again, we see the Jaguar powered cars are looking like the real deal. 
Another one-two finish for the Jaguar-powered cars. They're, they're looking pretty impressive. So let's see how it all started with the qualifying. In the group stage, the four drivers that went through from Group A were Nato, Fenestras, Tictum and Evans. And in Group B, it was Gunter, Hughes, Mortara and Seti Kamara. For the head-to-heads, Fenestras went up against Tictum and won. Nato went up against Evans and beat him. Hughes versus Mortara saw Hughes coming out on top and Gunter was faster than Seti Kamara in their head-to-head. In the semi-final duels, we saw Nissan teammates Fenestras and Nato go head-to-head and Fenestras came out on top. Now Hughes squared off against Gunter and he defeated the Maserati driver. So in the final, it was Hughes versus Fenestras and in the end, Fenestras was penalised uh, for, for one of his laps. So he was stripped of his his time and Hughes went on to take the pole not to take away from Hughes who was really good in qualifying and he was he was pretty good in the actual race as well okay so let's see who got points and finished inside the top 10 10th was Verline really not great for him he really hasn't found the form that he had in the opening few rounds of of the season I I don't know. I don't know. He's going to need to step it up. He's going to need to step it up if he if he wants to keep up. Defending champion Van Dorn finished ninth. Um, I mean, it, it's a pretty good result given he started in, in 21st. So, okay, but I think those title defence chances are... They're probably not mathematically gone, to be honest, but, I mean, it's not looking great. Boemi was eighth. Vern seventh. Tictum sixth. Pulsar to Hughes fifth. And uh, funnily enough, finished behind Finestras, who was fourth. And then on the podium, Mr. Fastest Lap of the uh, of the race was Jake Dennis, finishing third as well. Second, Jaguars Mitch Evans. And first was Nick Cassidy. I thought all of uh, the podium drivers raced really well uh, this weekend. So that is another... 1-2 finish for Jaguar powered cars with Envision and of course Jaguar being first and second. So interesting, very interesting. Now let's address the podium prediction. This is the part of the podcast where in the preview episodes I'll pick three drivers that I think would be on the podium. And for Monaco I went with Verline because I I still believe in him. Maybe a bit less so after Monaco, but I, I still think he's going to find that form, surely. He was he was so good at the start of the season. So I went for Verline. That was obviously wrong. But I went for Cassidy, which was correct. And I also said that this would be the week that Cassidy takes the top of the standings away from Verline. And I was correct there too. So uh, my third pick was Buemi, and that was, of course, incorrect. And let's have a look now as well at the top 10 of the driver standings following the Monaco E-Prix. In 10th, it's Rast with 40 points. His teammate Hughes is 5 points ahead of him after a good a good run in Monaco. He is 9th with 45 points. Buemi is in 8th with 61. Bird, 7th with 62 points. Da Costa is 6th 
with 68 points. In fifth place is his former teammate Vern with 87 points. Fourth is Jaguars Mitch Evans with 94 points. Very closely behind third place Jake Dennis who is on 96 points. And he is not too far off second place who until Monaco was top of the standings. Pascal Verline second with 101 points. And now top of the standings with a nice 20 point margin is Nick Cassidy on 121 points. Okay, so let's wrap the episode up here. We'll be back before the next Ypres, which is a double header on the 3rd and 4th of June in Jakarta, Indonesia. So we'll be back with the preview episode before then. So make sure you are subscribed to or following Formula E-Bite wherever you like to listen to your podcasts so that you can hear that episode as soon as it is out. And until then, until the next time, see you later.